coming up this weekend, Impact delivers their biggest show of the year. It's Bound for Glory, live from Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website, database, tracking pro wrestling around the world. On today's show, we're going to take a special look back at the very first Bound for Glory. What an interesting show that TNA had to rebook just hours before it began. John DeConi and Al Carl are both in the house, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for October 21st, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. Bound for Glory 2005. We're going back in our time machines, time machines almost 16 years. It's about 15 years and 363 days to be exact. Yeah. Uh, back to October 23rd, 2005. Al, this was your idea. This is one of your favorite shows, and it's the first of its kind in uh, TNA slash Impact. So why don't you start us off by telling us why we're here? Why, why is this a show that you love so much? Yeah, well, it's that this is this is their version of WrestleMania, put it like that. And even Mike Tanay said at the uh, the beginning of the show, this is their Final Four. This is their Super Bowl. This is their World Series. Uh, I'm sure if Jesse Ventura there, he would throw the Rolling Stones in there as well. Uh, but bigger than the Rolling Stones. Bigger than the Rolling Stones, yeah. So uh, it just I, – I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting this show – um, when I watched it live, I had a buddy come up. Uh, we were just, you know, screwing around with everything. Like, oh, there's, you know, I was watching Impact. Me and John's brother, Christopher, we were watching TNA from the, the inception, from the first episode when Ken Shamrock won the title. So, like, I knew of these guys. I knew of the X Division, and I, I loved it because it was it was an alternative. I, it was a different style that WWE gave. It's kind of like what AEW is doing today, what Impact's still doing today. And it just caught me completely off guard. And the, 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 the drama throughout the night with who's going to be replacing Kevin Nash in the main event, it just made for an absolute just great story throughout the show. And it was just it, unpredictability. You, you, you didn't know what was going to happen. And then, and then the, the pre-show, which unfortunately we all watched on Impact Plus, the pre-show uh, was not available to us. I had the DVD. I've seen the match a bunch of times. And there was a four-way X Division match. With get these guys ready. So you got Roderick Strong, you got Austin Aries, you got Alex Shelley, and then the eventual winner who they, they showed Sanjay Dutt with the, the front flip springboard catching him into a backflip hurricane rana. It was just X Division was just jaw-dropping to me at that point in time. So you saw that, and then the whole thing with Raven and Larry Zabisco, that feud was boiling over. And that was kind of like throughout the course of the night. Like, okay, well, it's probably going to be Raven. Raven's not on the card. Zabisco is specifically feuding with Raven at this point in time. And with Larry Zabisco being on the championship committee, you know what Moose was talking about, you know, the defunct uh, NWA DNA championship committee. Um, he just thinking maybe he would just bend or break or whatever and just put Raven in the match. And then we relive that match because Jeff Jarrett and Raven absolutely hate each other in TNA. And then that didn't happen. It was just it was just a, a glorified cluster bleep, but it was beautiful. And it was just so much fun. And I just said it was just more of the element of surprise of when I was watching and how I was watching. 
And I just didn't expect what I got. And I just been in love with it. And a lot of the guys, as I looking back at it, a lot of the guys are big name players now, or they, you know, this was right at the cusp when they started getting guys from WWE. They had both outlaws. Jeff Hardy was probably the biggest name at that point in time with him and the Dudleys. Uh, the Dudleys weren't on the card. They just signed. So they weren't on the card. Uh, they got jumped, I believe. And I believe that the, the team 3d funeral uh, with Jeff Jarrett, Team Canada, a bit it was absolutely hysterical. America's most wanted, and it was just it was just a lot of fun. I and it's just you enjoy wrestling for three hours. So you might have mentioned this in your uh, in your opening there. Was this your first TNA show or pay per view show <coughs> that you watched? Pay per view, probably. Okay. Um, yeah, but I was I was watching since day one. I saw all the those Wednesday nights for two cents or whatever it was back then. I wanted the legal black boxes, the cable boxes back then. But that was you know it was Wednesday nights were a big night for uh, me and uh, John's brother Chris. We would watch TNA from eight to ten, followed by a new episode of South Park and then Chappelle show. Then we'd be just it was the greatest night of the week. <laughs> John Connie, <laughs> did you watch this show uh, when it originally aired? I did not. I, I had seen, <clears throat> you know, bits and pieces of it. I'd seen the uh, the AMW match in some kind of uh, uh, collection. I definitely saw the Samoa Joe Jushin Liger match, uh, but I had not seen this card top to bottom, and it was a treat. Yeah, I I had never I've never really watched much TNA when you know back in the TNA days. Not really until recently did I ever even pick up Impact. But so the nice thing for me when I was watching this show to prepare for this is that I didn't know what the card was at all. So I'm sitting there and I'm, and then we'll get into the first match, but you know, when the first match includes Jushin Thunder Liger, you have my attention. And if yeah. he happens to be fighting Samoa Joe, you've got it twice. So, you know, so Al, the reason I asked you if it was the first show that you had ever watched is I did do a little research about like what the, what the critics thought about this. And they actually, uh, I was reading Brian Alvarez in his newsletter and he actually said that he thought this was their weakest show to date. He it's, he said sometimes there are shows that really aren't that bad, but because your expectations were so high going in, in the end you feel a little disappointed. So it's kind of nice that this was you know one of it, you weren't in that position, I guess. How are you disappointed with how this ended? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with that guy? Like he's. Oh, like oh. said, you had him in the graphic. If you are a fan of Rhino, I am yeah. a huge fan of Rhino. Love Rhino. I know John DeCani is. How do you not just love this? This is like the whole last hour is just Rhino, and with all pun inclusive, in his glory. Like this yeah. is yeah. everything. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. we'll talk about it all as we go through. But um, so. So Bound for Glory, 2005, 16 years ago, they made 900 people look like 9,000. They did a great job with the way they yeah. shot it because it looked like it was just a jam-packed arena. Mike Tanay and Don West on the call. Shane Douglas doing backstage interviews. Larry Zabisco is a member of the NWA Championship Committee. Uh, name after name after name after name. We've got a six-sided ring. The main story going in, and by the main story going in, I mean – Within like 20 hours of the main of the show, the main story is Kevin Nash and his health condition. Uh, I'll read from the PW Torch what they wrote at the time. 
Uh, Kevin Nash felt chest pain on Saturday night and called 911. He was checked in and unable to wrestle the scheduled main event at the TNA Bound for Glory pay-per-view. His diagnosis was that he had a partial aorta blockage but no heart attack. Because of a family history of heart attacks at a young age, he was cautious and remained hospitalized for three days. So uh, we know, of course, Nash did come back, at least and worked a somewhat partial schedule after that. And he even made another WWE run after that. So he did come back. It's you know It wasn't like a career-ending thing for him or anything, but it was scary. So with that, that set the stage of what Al was talking about for this show. Our main event is destroyed. We don't, we, what are we going to do? We got to put somebody in there against Jeff Jarrett in the main event. And who's it, who are we going to pick? Is it going to be Raven? Is it going to be somebody else? Well, throughout the course of the show, we'll find out. So let's dive in. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, you know, always, I'm always thinking about this. I don't know if I would love this show as much as I do if the main event was Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash. Probably not. Because of the way you set it up was like the intrigue about this, you know. Yeah, it's the story, the whole night, and then like the the ending, like I as a as a fan, I just oh okay, let's yeah, let's dive into it. We got Samoan dancers right off the bat. Like let's roll. Well, well, going with that point, as I I look through Keller, so you had you had like Alvarez's opinion there. As I look through Keller's star star ratings, he does them too. Um, The highest rated match was the X Division title match at four stars. The rest were pretty low star ratings but um but like you said it's the it was the drama of the night is why we're here right that's why the show was so captivating to you Mm -hmm. so like you said starting the show off you got samoa joe coming to the ring he's dancing his way to the ring and out comes jushin thunder liger as his opponent I guess you would know this if you knew the card, but I didn't know the card, so it was a cool surprise for me. You got the guy who did the first takeover match, the guy who did the first Nitro match, and he's also the first guy who ever did Bound. He's the first Bound for Glory match. So Jushin Thunder Liger, a well-credentialed champion in New Japan, and the the junior heavyweight of all junior heavyweights, and he also has all these like little things about him. He's the first to do this and the first to do that and the first, you know, to compete at Bound for Glory. So. And I want to throw this out there as well. Uh, he was in the first non-Full uh, Sail University takeover match, too. Like, I think it was him and Tyler Breeze in TakeOver Brooklyn. And it was like, and Tanae wasn't shy about it. He was not shy about telling us about his first match. He was the first match in Nitro history. He was a former uh, WCW Cruiserweight Championship uh, champion. So like, Tanae wasn't holding back. And it was just so nice to hear uh, – Tanae and Don West. I love Don West's enthusiasm. I hope he's doing well. We haven't heard any updates on Don lately, or at least I haven't. Uh, we hope he's doing well. So, Don, we love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. I, I wanted to buy some baseball cards, you know, that second that uh, that show went on there. <laughs> My understanding is he's actually he is actually in remission. So good, uh, good prayers and stuff that people yeah. sent his way uh, have done well. So good for good for him because it was pretty scary for a bit. So. John DeConte, Joe Samoa Joe would win the match with a muscle buster and a coquina clutch. So, um, you know, Samoa Joe, he he was NXT champion, what, last month, right? So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this, this, is, this is young, relatively svelte Samoa Joe prior to the 12 broken noses. This is a handsome young man in the middle of his I just got here, I'm undefeated push. 
And here he is going up against this uh, Japanese and, you know, international legend. And it was a fantastic match. You know, it was only about seven and a half minutes, but they absolutely shined. And what a way to kick off a, a program. It's funny, Al, you were talking about how Tanay was running down all of Jushin Thunder Liger's credentials. I think it's it, it bears noting that this was almost 16 years ago. And yet he only retired last year. So yeah, after yeah. he had all those credentials and he had another 15 years of career after that. So um, yeah, he was old back then. And now it, yeah. it's, it's like, it's now age is a number. It's great. He's Japanese. And they had uh, uh Noki. They had the new Japan uh, right. promoter at ringside as well. He was a guest and they, you know, they, like I said, they, they were not shy about stuff. They like new Japan. He's not one of our guys. And the crowd was 50-50, Liger Joe, Liger yeah. Joe. It was, that was just a fun – yeah, you couldn't have came out harder than than those two. Yes, yeah. So that was that was particularly fun, and it leads into our second match, Monty Brown versus Lance Hoyt. Now look closely because he's almost unrecognizable aside from the fact that he's still like almost seven feet tall, right? But Lance Hoyt is Lance Archer. Minus about 80 pounds of muscle, it looks like, right? Like Lance Hoyt has put on some weight to become Lance Archer now. But um, so baby Archer, John DeCani. Yeah, and he, uh, I think I said this to you last night in pre-production before the EWP. In that that body frame, now, you know, when, they, when JR tells you his credentials as an NCAA quarterback, you look at Lance Archer and you go like, what back on this day the the very uh you know lean and mean uh lance hoyt okay that looks like you know, i mean he's absurdly tall but yeah okay that looks like a quarterback i, I can i can buy that and uh did these two i mean monty brown what an interesting character <laughs> with all the twitches and you know his backstage <laughs> segment where he was Sniffing Jeff Jarrett because he yeah. smelt fear on him. <laughs> Just what a <laughs> whack job. <laughs> but this was a really, you know, this is an entertaining but short match. And, uh, you know, it just, it moved the cart along nicely. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed seeing, uh, seeing Lance Hoyt here in action 16 years ago. Just to see, like, the contrast of what he is today. Uh, and Al, Archer missed his moonsault. You know, he typically today you see him still do the do a moonsault little variation, but he missed it here, and that led to the led to the finish, really. Yeah, he uh, perpetually perpetrated by pounds by <laughs> former New England Patriots Super Bowl champion Monty Brown. Actually, no, they didn't win the Super Bowl that he was in. He was he played in two Super Bowls. Monty Brown, yeah, not the biggest <laughs> Monty Brown fan. I, I I'm not. I, I thought he was he was rough. He had a brief cup of coffee in the new ECW uh, shortly after this. Um, a different Lance Hoyt, by the way, the, the look on my face when I put two and two together, when I saw Lance Archer for the first time and realized it was Lance Hoyt, I was like, whoa, like, this is like, okay, like, that's, this is a, okay, good transformation by Lance Hoyt right here. Uh, he was introduced in Impact and TNA way back when, actually, he came in as, his name was Dallas, hence the ticked off Texan yeah. moniker. Uh, he was Kid Cash's bodyguard, actually. Uh, I believe Kid Cash's contract was up at this point. Kid Cash, he helped Kid Cash win the X Division Championship way back when. 
then I guess uh, Kid Cash left, and you know Lance uh, Dallas changed his name to Lance Hoyt. Uh, he still came out. He was a bushwhacker on crack, you know, trying to get that crowd going, running down that aisle. And then uh, two things with this one: if you looked at the back tattoo, we understand why Lance Hoyt wears a shirt now, or Lance Archer wears a shirt now. And two. The interview that you alluded to where Monty Brown was when Jeff Jarrett was saying, I don't know who's in my appointment. Screw Rhino. Screw this guy. Screw that guy. Before that started, Shane Douglas doing the interview, putting over the NWA World Championship, the most repeated, prestigious belt. In, that was the belt he threw down. You know, that was you know, screw <laughs> Ric Flair. That was the belt he yes. tossed in the garbage to form ECW. So does I'm sure Douglas had a huge smile on his face. Like, you know, I'm just going to put this over now. You know, like, this is going to be hysterical. And that's one of the beautiful things about Impact today and going all the way back to TNA. It's it's kind of been a, a ribbon through their entire existence. Just the little nuggets that if you're a wrestling fan, it may go over somebody's head who just tuned in that day for the first time and doesn't know a whole lot about I legitimately busted out laughing sitting in yeah. my apartment all by myself the moment shane douglas was there, the most prestigious uh, title in all of pro wrestling <laughs> i almost fell out of my chair laughing like that's just that's <laughs> beautiful <right there. laughs> that's a nice thread <laughs> all right well as we move through to our next match it's team canada and there's some names here that people will recognize as well you have Eric Young, yeah. Bobby Roode, A1 Steak Sauce. A1. Uh, <laughs> and accompanied by Scotty Damore. Yeah. Going up against the three live crew. Now, some of these names you, you may not recognize, but you may recognize them by their other names. BG James, also known as The Road Dog. Ron Killings, also known as R-Truth, still active today. And yeah. Conan who was wrestling on this card. I haven't seen him wrestle in a million years, but uh, he was wrestling on this card. So six-man tag, three live crew versus Team Canada. Kip James, which I don't know why they didn't just call him Billy Gunn because it's obviously not a trademark name. Uh, he offered to help out before the match, and Conan said no way. So, Al? Yeah, yeah uh, fun story. So before this, um, impacted a, uh, a World Cup, an X, an X Division World Cup tournament. And thus, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, A1, captained by Petey Williams, who we'll see in the next match, accompanied by Scott Tamore with the hockey stick with the Canadian flag on it, which I absolutely love. Um, they just kind of came out of nowhere and represented Team Canada. In this World Cup, and then there was the United States team. There was uh, a team international. I forget what the other ones were. But it did come down to the U.S., which I believe was captained by Chris Saban at the point in time, and which kicked off the huge rivalry between Chris Saban and Petey Williams uh, back then. And uh, yeah, they just stayed with it. They, they just played heels and throughout the whole tournament, and they were getting the reactions, and they just they just kept them on. Uh, and then the, the three live crew, uh, they did a lot of vignettes. I guess they all... Uh, they all had the shared, you know, they're all very different in the races, ethnicities, and, and, and lifestyles and backgrounds, but they all grew up in like uh, poorer circumstances. And it was fun. They would always, they would, uh, they would uh, actually travel to where they each grew up. And they just, you know, they kind of, it was a small competition who had the worst upbringing, but 
Um, they did a lot of that. Kip James was just signed, so that's why he was trying to figure his way into the the whole thing because he saw the road dog. He's like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're best friends. You know, the crowd was chanting outlaws. Uh, so that was an absolute – that was a real fun match. That was a real fun match. It said BG and, and Ron Truth, uh, they have the connection because they moved some things in WWE uh, about four years prior uh, in 2001 when K-Quick was a baby. Wow, he's it's funny. You look at him then. He was a baby. Uh, but this was actually the second six-man tag of the night. We skipped over one if you want to talk about the Diamonds in the Rough against Apollo, Shark Boy, and Ace. Yeah, you're right. I totally skipped over it. It's not it's even a whole Siaki. <laughs> nothing, uh, that, that match is nothing. It was it was fun or whatever, you know, get those guys on the card. But the diamonds in the rough, they just got together. Elix Skipper was kind of lost there for a second because Triple X broke up. Low-key, I believe, was injured, and Christopher Daniels went on a singles run. So Elix Skipper was kind of stuck. Uh and fun story for about six months, way back when, in about 2005, six, seven, somewhere in that area. I actually was uh working. I worked with Simon Diamond. So uh big fan of his. Okay. Yeah, I totally, uh, I totally skipped over that match in my notes. You're right. I have paper notes, and then I transferred them to electronic notes, and yeah. I didn't make the electronic transfer. So it's okay. I mean, that match, you say maybe the worst one. I'm well, but still, you know, Elix Skipper, Simon Diamond. I, I, I watched that Shark Boy. Now, here's the question: yes, Are Shark, Shark Boy, and Shark Boy, and Jungle Boy related? They have the same last name, so are they related? Well, I did. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But I did do enough research because I was like, oh, this Shark Boy guy, like, what's up with him? Let me do a little research and find out what his, you know, what his deal is. Is he has he wrestled out, you know, as somebody else? Nope, he's Shark Boy still today. He's no, he's wrestling. Shark Boy. And he he completely ripped off Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was absolutely probably the greatest since the Blue World Order. I mean, it was uh somebody, it was like well, the, the dub-in voice. So Sharky would have a microphone. You couldn't see his mouth talk, but you hear Austin in the background. And it was, oh, shell, yeah. And he did the stunner as his, he had the leather jacket with the shark. In his, he nailed it. Absolutely. And it was just, he was comic relief and all of Impact's glory. And it was absolutely beautiful. Like, Shark Boy was awesome. Look at TNA being so Impact. Yeah, right? Who knew he was TNA off Impact? What we still love about them to this day. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, back to our Team Canada versus yeah, Three Lab Crew match. Uh, it was a hockey stick over the head of BG James for the W for Team Canada. Um, Kip James did save Conan in the end, though. So I guess uh, whatever feelings Conan had about Kip, they would, had resolved themselves here, I guess. Yeah, Conan was a little uh, hesitant for uh, Kip to, to help him. And uh, Eric Young back then, Eric Young, the scared little guy, that was his character. He didn't want to, he never, he'd always start the match, look at the other guy, the run back to the corner and tag and body. You know, it was, yeah. it was, it was really, really funny. He was yeah. good. He, there's somebody else who's coming a long way too. I mean, yeah. look, at, look at that. Actually, both those guys, when you look at Bobby Roode and Eric Young, man, again, 16 years ago, a lot of wrestling careers don't last 16 years. So this, these guys were wrestling then. They're wrestling um, pretty much on top right now. So on, on top of whatever, you know, they're on top of the wrestling world. They're wrestling for major promotions. So, And Coach DeMore is now in a front office position in a major company. And, you know, if you're a collector, make sure you get your old school Coach DeMore micro brawler just released on Impact. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay, so John, I don't know if it was during this match or the next match, 
But what does Mike Tanay have against cheeseburger eating people? I, oh my God, yes. <laughs> why, why is that the insult that he slings at Scott Demore? That cheeseburger eating, I'm like, well, you know, that's probably like <laughs> most of the people watching the show are, are eat cheeseburgers. Like, yeah, what's I guess. I guess that was the best they could come up with to make fun of the guy was that he was portly. But there, there is a – I forget exactly where it was where there's a, there's a little uh, segment where they're showing some flashes of Team Canada. And in the, in the segment, Scott is eating. So I guess maybe back then that was part of the gimmick was that every time you, you showed these guys away from the ring, Scott was stuffing something in his mouth. I don't know. But it, 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 you know, it makes you chuckle because it's so impact. It's so TNA. It's, it, it's it, so Mike Tanay. Like that's like the best insult that he can come up with. You know, he was trying to call him fat, you know, and that's, that's really what it was called. His name, his name. It was a fat joke. But it's just the way tonight's mind works. That's the best thing that he could come up with. Right. He couldn't just call him fat. He had to explain how he got that way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The origin story of my fat joke is that he's a cheeseburger eating guy. Okay. Well, we've alluded to the next match a couple of times. The uh, Petey Williams representing the captain of Team Canada. Uh, He's out there again with Coach Demore. It's an ultimate X match. Chris Saban is in there. Uh, I don't know, Al. Did you do the count last time we had Ultimate X? How many Ultimate X's Chris Saban's been in? About I, I didn't do the count, but he's he's been in a ton of them. And the funny thing is, like, I, I in my memory, just thinking about this, this had to be one of the first ones. And Saban's like, no, I've won six of them at the, you know up until this point. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. So uh, yeah, it, it's the X Division, and it was fun. So this is the the second of three X Division matches if you count the pre-show, and this is a number one contenders match and. Such a controversy in this one. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it kind of sucked. In the, end. I mean, the match was okay, but like, boy, uh, John DeCani and I were talking about it last night. It felt kind of like they gave up, <laughs> you know, toward the end. Uh, Matt Bentley, by the way, the other guy that we haven't mentioned yet. He's also Maverick Matt Bentley. Him and Tracy. Yeah, the Bentley Bounce. He's the He went by the name Michael Shane and then changed his name for whatever reason. But yeah, he was involved. This was a. This was a. A hatred feud. These three hated each other, but Petey was in love with Tracy, and that was fun. And uh, to answer to, the thing was, you can you can kind of see. I don't know if it was you know real or kayfabe, whatever the, the phrase. You know, Saban and Bentley were just both pissed about how this match, and you saw them just storm up the ramp about how the X dropped twice. The first time, I guess it hit the ground. If if you catch it in the air, I guess it's like baseball, like it counts. But if it hits the ground, then you got to put it back up. Uh, the, the saving grace in this is this will be the, the first of two Bound for Glory rematches the next Tuesday on Impact. They did do this match again. They did do Ultimate X again, and Petey Williams did win again. So think of Carmelo winning Money in the Bank uh, twice. This is this is how they did it as well. Okay. That's what they're kind of exactly what I was thinking is the Carmelo winning the ladder match. They screwed up the finish of the ladder match, so they, they did a better one for us. But – yeah, so this like you you alluded to it. So the X falls and Tanay goes crazy, and you know, Don West, they're explaining, oh, the officials are making the right call. They're gonna hang this thing back up and they're gonna restart the match. And you got, like you mentioned, guys on the outside, hands on hips, staring, not sure what to do, just annoyed at the situation. They get back in the ring, they do a few spots, uh, hanging off the wire and everything. Uh Saban and Bentley go down. And Petey Williams walks to the center of the ring and catches the X as it falls, and they declare him the winner. Like I said, it felt like at that point it was like, 
we just give up. Like this is going to be a match ends, and they announce him as the winner. So, uh, John, unfortunately, it was a mess, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it was it was a botch. It was a disaster. But you know, it, leading up to it, all the wrestling leading up to it was good. There was some good, you know, work on the cables and whatnot. It just they couldn't get that damn X to to stay up there. So, ah, the hell with it. You know, we've already gone ten plus minutes, almost thirteen minutes. Let's just. Head to the back and, you know, call it a day. Chris Saban, I mean, he's a baby in this match. And he's already like a multiple-time X Division champion. Chris Saban won the X Division championship in his first match. And then the next week won the first ever X Division Super X Cup. Like, Chris Saban just came out on fire. Great find by Vince Russo in Sports Entertainment Extreme. There you go. Yeah, Chris Saban, Chris Saban is one of those guys where you look at him now and, and you think he's kind of – he's still excellent. But, like, you know, he's got he's got at least 16 years. Here we are talking about him 16 years ago under his belt. Tons of credentials. And it was – this this stage is when he was building all those credentials. So this is what people look back at so fondly about Chris Saban. Yeah, and then this Saturday, he's he's going 20 minutes in that, that battle royal. If he's going in number one, he's going to be there – He'll be in the final four. I I don't think he's gonna win. Of course, I'm not gonna pick him, so I'm sure he's gonna win. Um, you know what's fun about that? He's, he's gonna be there for a while. So so it's bound for so it's bound for glory this weekend. And you guys are gonna talk about the about every match. But the one you're alluding to now is the is the uh the match. Call yeah, your shot gauntlet. Yeah. So Saban's gotta enter number one. And he said 16 years, 17 years later. Uh, he's going to shine in this one, too, probably in another losing effort. Uh, Chris Saban's record at Bound for Glory is not uh, all that well. but Well, it was, just, it was just last year that the Motor City Machine Guns made their return at Bound for Glory. And, we, you know, the Call Your Shot gauntlet is, you know, there's an opportunity for surprise. Do you think possibly at this point we might see Alex Shelley back? We've had he's taken a bunch of indie dates. I saw him in Chicago fight yeah. Tom Waller. So uh he apparently is ready to compete again. And Saban can use a friend, right? No, who can <laughs> use a friend? I mean, everybody can always use a friend. Yeah. Well, it's a call your shot gauntlet, so maybe we'll see them compete against each other. Maybe that's one and two. Well, that'd be fun. That'd be fun way to start it. Yeah, we put it into the universe. Scott DeMore, if you're watching. I'm sure he is. I'm sure. I'm sure. Eat a cheeseburger. Well, he might have turned it off when we started about talking about his cheeseburger eating ways. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Next matchup: America's Most Wanted versus Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. So, America's Most Wanted is the cowboy James Storm before he was the cowboy, I guess, uh, and Chris Harris. So, trivia to you guys: What was Chris Harris's name when he was in WCW? Wow. I can't remember. <laughs> I, and I, I know it was I, I watched the Pritchard podcast and they talked about him and just how he just came in out of shape and it was just, he was a D hole backstage and yeah Wildcat didn't really do all that well uh, in that brief run in uh, the WWE CW. Braden Walker's name for those who uh, who those keeping score. Braden Walker <laughs> and it was it was a very brief one run, wasn't it? Didn't we like see him on TV like twice ever? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, as as uh, Al just pointed out, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce had uh, Bruce has explained that. So there you go. 
Well, uh, America's Most Wanted won with the death sentence over uh, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. I said Chase Stevens not that long ago. He was on Impact not that long ago. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So he's also – now Storm, he's kind of in and out, but I think he's officially on the Impact roster right now if you were to go look. Um, but he's kind of in and out. John yeah, Connie, you want to get head on this? Yeah. I feel like I'm talking way too much here. No, no, it, it's it, you know, anytime you see James Storm, it's a good time. And man, America's most wanted at you know, I know uh, Beer Money had a great run in that company too. But watching this match, all I could think of was how good America's most wanted was, what a good team they were, what you know, they had the the, the built in uh, heel factor where they could spit a beer in your face or break a bottle over your head. And how much I would love to just, you know, like pick them up right out of that era and drop them in the middle of uh, the AEW tag team ranks right now. Now, I'd like right. to take beer money and do that, too, which is a little tough because, you know, you'd have to clone Jane Storm. But uh, just just a great a great tag team in terms of ring psychology and in performance. And, uh, you know, they were that that's what that tag team division was built on. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, America's Most Wanted. They, they're if I don't know if Impact has ever done a list. America's Most Wanted is definitely top five of the greatest tag teams in that company's history. They just came off the feud. They won the feud against Triple X. Finally, they had probably one of the greatest tag team feuds of all time in any company between America's Most Wanted and Triple X. And it was absolutely incredible. They they won the feud. They I think they passed the belts back and forth two times. They actually won the belts with each other's partners at one point. I don't think like James Storm and Elix Skipper were tag champions. And then Christopher Daniels and Chris Harris were tag. And it was, it was a really weird, they just had them going back and forth. They won the feud. They turned heel. They helped Jeff Jarrett at a house show in Canada. They turned heel to help Jarrett beat Raven to win the NWA title. Uh, So they, they specified that Gail Kim was involved in that as well. So now they're heels. This match against the Naturals, that was their team name. I don't remember if this was before or after the Naturals were managed by Shane Douglas. I, I was shocked. I forgot that Shane wasn't uh, with them at this point. He was doing backstage stuff. But they eventually either had or will have Shane Douglas as their mentor. They that they did this match uh, the, I don't know, the, the two days before. I guess it was another house show. And they did the belt swap there. So the Naturals went into this house show as tag champions against America's Most Wanted. And America's Most Wanted beat them for the titles. And then they had that, – that was a rematch um, at Bound for Glory. So that was just – it was completely random. You saw the Naturals all taped up. They got bloodied up. Uh, like I said, America's Most Wanted. They were heels now for the first time. And then um, – oh, there was one other thing. Oh, the Team 3D Funeral. That, that was it. That was another thing. You know, 3D – they debuted America's Most Wanted. They just dropped them right then and there, uh, put them in caskets, and that was the the Team 3D funeral with uh, with Team Canada helped them out, and Abyss helped them with Father James Mitchell. And the next funeral was supposed to be for Kevin Nash, uh, but that was yeah, they there was there was a lot going on with America's Most Wanted and the Naturals going into that. I'm not sure the casket that they had was big enough for Kevin Nash, but um, in that whole thing that you just said, there's there's something that stuck out to me that I, as as apparently our impact and TNA historian Al, you're going to have to bring me up to speed on what's going on here. So Impact had a stable called Sex and another tag team called Triple X. 
Yes. Okay. So sports entertainment extreme. Okay. So Vince Russo way back when, okay. It was their version of the NWO because Vince Russo, when they brought him in to be the, the writer and the booker, um, he said TNA screwed it up. He said TNA is supposed to stand for tits and ass, not total nonstop action. So he formed the group called Sports Entertainment Extreme and included uh, the Harris brothers, I believe were his first one. I believe AJ Styles eventually joined, and Russo helped them become world champion. Um, I know that they, 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 they picked off the X division. Like I said, they had Triple X, which was Christopher Daniels, Elix Skipper, and Low Key. They were their X Division tag team. They were their actually their main tag team, even though they're X Division uh, wrestlers. And then they they brought in Chris Saban, who won the X title in his first match. I believe I don't remember who he beat. Maybe Sonny Siaki. Maybe Amazing Red. I don't remember. But um, yes, yeah, Vince Russo. Had, yeah, that was it. Was their version of the NWO, and they were called Sports Entertainment Extreme. So you had Triple X as part of Sex as yes. on the TNA show. Okay. Yes, that that was supposed that that is supposed to stand for tits and ass, not total nonstop the action. Branding, the branding they had going back then. <laughs> Russo brought a level. Russo brought it up a level, and that was, you know that was also it was a big feud too. You know, D'Lo Brown was very against it. D'Lo Brown, I was shocked he wasn't at this show, but D'Lo Brown was a TNA original way back when. Up a level or down a level? <laughs> I love Russo. No, it went way up. I love Russo. <laughs> I'm one of the few that do. I know that, but I love the way Vince Russo books stuff and writes stuff. How did that at this point? Uh, sorry, John. Go say that again. Uh, how, how did merch from from that idea not wind up in hot topic? I don't understand. Well, uh, maybe Scotty will bring back some retro merch merch uh, if he's watching the show. All right, Scotty. Scotty Demore, put down your cheeseburger. Oh, yeah. Add Alex Shelley to the match this weekend and give us some retro merch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are going to take a break. When we come back, it's almost Rhino all the way to the end of the show. So stick with us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Rhino from here to the end. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out BodySlamClothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20, and all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to BodySlamClothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Robert Luca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Friday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeCani, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at BodySlamBrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. 
Okay. Monsters ball match. We just had one of these on the knockouts knockdown. But yeah. this this I feel like was raised up a level here. Apparently, Rhino, Sabu, Jeff Hardy, and Abyss were locked in a cage for like 24 hours prior yes. to the match. Yeah. No um, food, like no food, no water, no daylight. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> of course they're monsters. <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point. So this is yes. So that's the whole point of the monsters part of the mon it has nothing to do with just a fun name for a no DQ match. No, they were put in cells, I guess. And they were apparently released right before uh, the kickoff show because Rhino was out there, uh, you know, yes. yapping at Raven about a girl getting to his head. I still don't know what that meant, but um, yeah, twenty-four. So that's what. So that's what all these four of these guys are coming into. Specifically, a guy that's gonna go the rest of the way. Rhino, no food, no water, no daylight for the past twenty-four hours. And we'll see. We'll see what he can do in the second half of the show, I guess. But. Uh, there was some high. There was definitely some high spots in this match, including one by Jeff Hardy. Jeez, oh, John DeCani. I mean, what the heck did he jump off? Like the, uh, the yeah, he found the off? highest. Port. Yeah, he found the the highest part of the staging. You know, above the the entryway, and then there was a column that stuck out even higher. And he got all the way up and dove past this the level of the staging. Another couple of feet where who was Abyss, I think, was on a table and just good lord, what that man was willing to do to his body back. And I'm not not that it's ever really changed, but you know, he's a guy who's had a lot of problems with the uh, with demons and whatnot. But gee, I, I wonder, do you think he was medicating his pain away? I mean, what a lunatic! <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'm 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 almost a hundred percent positive that the addiction, some of the addiction issues that he had, probably stem from painkillers, from things like this, you know. And and uh, he's in WWE now. So again, here's another guy who's still wrestling all this these years later. I think I think you got to go back to 1998 to capture his whole career. So he he goes back a long, long way. Um, but yeah, I mean, we see Jeff Hardy now. I think it was maybe last summer we saw him do the bar fight with Sheamus where he jumped off. He found the highest part of the bar and jumped off that. Yeah, so, so. yeah that's – he. not only was he the highest part of the uh, – whatever the, the old era circle thing, oh. he jumped the, the width of the stage as well. So it wasn't just a straight up and down. He had to clear that or else he was going to go Greg Luganis and smack the back of his head on the yeah. stage and yeah, that was more probably one of the more death-defying things he's done uh yeah the cells one thing and this you know ladder and all that that one he had some distance to cover yeah now he didn't win this monsters ball match but he's that done for the night and we'll get to that in a bit but uh none but of these guys yeah. were none of these no. guys were this was this was a lot of fun so you got two uh crazy ecw wrestlers Yes. And Rhino and Sabu, they were nuts. We all know their history at this point. You took the craziest, like we just talked about, the craziest, most death-defying guy from WWE, and then you got the crazy homegrown guy, Abyss, and it was just, it was a beautiful marriage for the match that they were trying to do. You got the thumbtacks, the table, Sabu was using the chair, Jeff was jumping off stuff, Rhino's gorged up people through tables. It was Sabu's just absolutely in the great. first 20 seconds of the match, right? He's yeah. Cut over the top of his <laughs> exactly. eye. Um, 
No, Rhino would win this with a, a middle rope pile driver. Rhino not driver. A move, not a move you see too often these days. I've not seen Rhino do that one in the last two years. No. Um, the closest thing I've seen to that recently would be MJF on Sammy Guevara. Uh, it was a tombstone. But, yeah. So, Rhino gets the win here. This is win number one for Rhino. Win number one. And when, Next for some that, reason, when Rhino would use that move, it wasn't something he pulled out all the time, but this was him, you know, not far removed from that, the dying days of ECW where he was just an unstoppable animal. And whenever he would do it, I, I the minute I saw that move, the avalanche, uh, what do they call it, a Rhino driver? Rhino driver. I could just, uh, yeah, in my head, I could just see the Sandman's wife in his arms in that same position going through it. <laughs> to a table it, it, it was like now i don't i don't think he's ever heard anyone using that move but every time he pulled that out i thought the person died that he did it to because i mean yeah. it's just so good at selling it and just uh just it's devastating yeah it's one of the like i said you don't see it very very often because it's probably you know we're talking wrestling it by itself anyway is a game of centimeters and inches Right, like if you if you miss something by just a few centimeters, it can be catastrophic. This move, especially, so if you don't hit this move, uh, both and it's both the person taking it and the person giving it, you're not if you're not doing it right, you're gonna be screwed up. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. yeah, so not only Jeff did the jump, he had to take the Rhino driver off the second turnbuckle too. Right. <laughs> the next match, which I think is I think is the match of the night. Um, Iron Man match for the X Division Championship. AJ Styles, we know him, versus Christopher Daniels, we know him. <laughs> uh, and this match, uh, it's not the first Iron Man match that they've done. They, they told that story. This is Iron Man match two. And uh, it went the complete distance all the way to the very last. You know, we're under 10 seconds now. AJ Styles finally hits the Styles Clash, a move he still uses, unlike Rhino with the Rhino Driver. Uh, and he gets the pin with like a second left on the clock. So mm -hmm. uh, AJ Styles wins with just one fall. Uh, what's his name? Don West thought there'd be you know ten falls in this match. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many AJ Styles and uh, Christopher Daniels matches he's seen where they've all they've ended in four minutes. But um, this isn't the end. This isn't uh, a British rounds match, Don West. So. John McConaughey, like I said, you you can go for this one because you just say it, this is just there's just too much for me. To, it's just a, it was a masterpiece. Uh, the two, yeah. arguably, you know, you throw Chris Saban in the conversation. Arguably, two of the three greatest X Division wrestlers slash champions. Absolutely, and they gave you absolutely everything they had inside the ring and out. And I just the ending sequence, like I I, I feel like it's so masterful that. The, t the fact that they got the timing down. I mean, so Daniels goes for the, the Angels' wings. AJ counters it into a backdrop cover. They bridge up out of it. Uh, AJ flips into a jackknife cover for two, flips back out of the jackknife cover, and deadlifts Daniels up to get him in position for the Styles Clash. Hits the Styles Clash. He's exhausted, and there's like seven seconds on the clock. He takes his time rolling him over, and he gets that one, two, three. And uh, like uh, Ryan said, there's one or two seconds left on the clock. The timing is just perfect. 
The two of them were all over the place the entire 30 minutes. It's just, I mean, in, in the middle of a show where as entertained as all three of us were, there were moments where you could say that this show was a mess. This was beautiful. This was just beautiful yeah. violence. And I feel like if there's people that today see Christopher Daniels on TV and they're like, oh, you know, it's Christopher Daniels, whatever. He's going to come out and lose match. Go back and watch some of this stuff. Chris Daniels back here. This this tells you why he's working at AEW backstage and talent relations and stuff. This These matches right here are the ones where he built his career and built his reputation. So, and he was like I said, AJ Styles. Yeah, and they said they went on to become friends, become tag team champions together. Christopher Daniels' run in 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 TNA back then. He's and he's an original. Like I said, he was he's been there since the beginning. He was in Triple X. That feud, like I said, the, probably the greatest tag team feud of all time with America's Most Wanted. Going then you go then you pair him against AJ Styles. Then you put him together with AJ Styles. Then you know what? Let's throw a mask on him. Call him Curry Man because he's hot and he's spicy. And then he's got that run going for him. And it's just, it was Christopher Daniels, just, he was a mainstay for so many years. And he was just gold for all of it. Yeah. And, and he was he that guy been. on the, you know, like in every, in every generation, in every little time period, there's that guy on the indie who, on the indies who you know his name, even if you've never seen him. Daniels was that guy. The fall when you you know you uh, when you were doing the when the ECW folded, I, I remember you know, I was just I was absolutely dying for my dude Rob Van Dam to show up somewhere. To well, obviously it was going to be WWF because that's where that's the only thing that was left. And I, the one of the first things that I got my hands on was an old VHS tape of Van Dam doing uh, a run through California, and he did a show where in the main event it was him and Christopher Daniels. Daniels at ringside had a heavy named Samoa Joe, and this is you know prior to TNA's even birth. And the two of them, you know, we say a lot of times, oh, they tore, you know, they blew the roof off the building or they tore the ring down. These two literally broke the mat. There were so many high spots. There actually was a gully. They had to avoid one corner for the the last like ten minutes of the match because they actually broke planks in the ring and just, I, I mean, Daniels was just he was. He was already a big name before he even made it to TNA, and then within TNA, he became an absolute yeah. legend. So he was there at the basically you're saying at the birth of TNA. He was also there at the birth of Ring of Honor, and he, yep. you know, he would do his TNA run, go back to Ring of Honor, and then it was late in his career. I think it was 2018 that he won the Ring of Honor World Championship, which he he feuded with Cody over. Uh, and that's when Cody won his world championship there too, um, in that feud. So, um, long a long career full of a lot of big highlights, like what we, yeah. like this match yeah. and other things. Yeah, just fast forward, and that, everything just clicked right here. It was after this Iron Man match where Samoa Joe actually inserted himself in the X Division title picture, but Daniels and Styles still were in dummies under, so it was a huge triple threat feud. And then Daniels and that Joe was just dominating, and that's where Styles and Daniels were just like, "Listen, we got to team up against this guy, or else we're not going to we're going to consistently get our asses kicked." And that's how they became kind of a, a tag team. Well, so like I mentioned, Styles wins this match. Okay, so at some point between the Monsters Ball and I think probably after Monsters Ball and before the Iron Man match, yeah, uh, Larry Zabisco 
the the uh, who is on the NWA Championship Committee. He did announce that they're going to have a gauntlet match. Now Jeff Jarrett's all mad because he wants to know who his opponent's going to be so he can prepare. Um, but Zabisco says, "Look, these guys don't even know either." So there's going to be ten guys in this gauntlet. Tanay and Don West, they have no idea who they are until they see them. Um, so like Al was talking about in the beginning of the show, it's the intrigue and you don't know what's going to happen here. So in this order, this is the order of gauntlet participants, Samoa Joe, Ron Killings, Sabu, Lance Hoyt, Abyss, Jeff Hardy, Monty Brown, Rhino, Kip James, and AJ Styles. I think that's an order. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. So, so AJ Styles comes back out after this long 30 minute Iron Man match. I mean, we're talking minutes afterwards. So, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, but Rhino wins. Like we mentioned, this, this is the second half of the show is all about Rhino. So, Rhino, yeah, now, nine of the 10 guys already competed in a match. Right. Kip James only got uh, his crush. Kip James was the one. And, and yeah, he was the one that uh, I guess he was out at nine. Yeah, and he came yeah. out at number nine. Too. Everyone thought that was going to be Raven, I guess. I guess everyone thought 10 was going to be Raven. But, yeah, Raven – that was the big story that uh, Zabisco shut out Raven. Yeah. So you leave, like, a, a former NWA – just regardless of the gauntlet, like, how Raven a four, the a former NWA champion prior to this, like I said, Jeff Jarrett beat him on a house show in Canada to become champion now – he was just completely left off the card. Like Ran, Ryan, uh, Raven helped build this company. Like he was huge when TNA first started. And funny, he actually had a little stable called The Gathering with Julio De Niro, uh, Alexis Lurie, who is now Mickey James, and some guy named CM Punk who was trying to make a shine uh, to Raven. Something I, mean, I don't know what happened. He's some stupid. Uh, Cobra Commander tattoo on one arm and a Pepsi logo on the other. Uh, I don't know what happened to that guy, but uh, yeah, it's, it, Raven was a huge mainstay and didn't make the card. Didn't even make the, the card. He made the pre-show and then got shut out because he was thrown out of the building. So yeah, that was the big thing. And that was, all the guys wrestled one match before Samoa Joe had to come back out two hours after he wrestled. Right. Uh, you know, Truth was in that area as well. Billy Gunn didn't wrestle, so it's. It was it was a fun you know who's it gonna be who's it gonna be oh my god that guy can still go you know all four guys from Monsters Ball were in it which was nuts yeah. right Jeff Hardy through Jeff Hardy we just talked about could barely walk out there yeah exactly it's... which now which one of these guys threw himself out I'm trying to <laughs> Monty Brown Monty Monster. Brown coming down I think he eliminated Monster. I think he eliminated Jeff Hardy and then went out after him <laughs> just... yeah, that that sounds like Monty Brown. I think there's Don a trick question. What was his name in ECW? Uh, was he uh, Marcus Corvin or something like that? Marcus Corvin. Very good. Wrestled at WrestleMania 23. So Monty Brown. There you go. He's good job. <laughs> uh, so like we said, Rhino wins this match. Uh, Don West says uh, Monty Brown doesn't must not understand the rules of the match. Uh, but Rhino wins this. He has no time to rest. He, he's in the ring, and out comes Jeff Jarrett. Apparently, Jeff is going to try to jump him, not give him you know, a water break or anything like that. Uh, they have their match. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, America's Most Wanted, comes out. Jeff Jarrett hits Rhino with a guitar. Uh, he tries to hit him with a second guitar. Uh, eventually, he overcomes all of it. Gail Kim, America's Most Wanted, guitar shots. 
and he gets the W. And Rhino is the NWA champion to close out the first Bound for Glory. So Rhino wins the Monsters Ball. Well, oh, rewind. Hold on. You, you got to rewind. For, for the, the 24 hours prior to Bound for Glory, he was in a holding cell without food, nor water, nor daylight. Now you can continue. <laughs> and then Kevin Nash has a heart issue. Rhino gets released from his cage to yell at Raven on the pre-show. And then he comes in and he wins the Monsters Ball match. And then he comes back and he wins a gauntlet match. Two grueling matches. Then he wins the NWA World Championship. And then he gets jumped by Team Canada, America's Most Wanted, and everybody. And eventually out comes John DeCani's number one team in all of WWE history. Team 3D makes a return to save Rhino from a huge beatdown at the end. Yep. So, yes. and uh, Rhino, is, Rhino is eventually put in the coffin that uh, Jeff Jarrett brings to, has brought to ringside because someone is leaving here in a coffin tonight. And at one point, it looked like it was going to be Rhino. He was stuffed inside the coffin. And then all the three life crew comes out to try and make the save. Team Canada comes out to join. And in a, in a hilarious moment, chaos is going on all around the ring. There is a coffin in the middle of the ring. Your world champion is in the coffin. And Eric Young is on top of the coffin looking like a scared chihuahua, not having any idea what's going on. And eventually he's the last heel left in the ring and he gets the hell beat out of him. And I think EY winds up in the coffin after a three day. It's hard to believe. Like when you look at Eric Young's character today, that he would be playing this comedic. Type oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. He was so scared that it was so funny. Well, and he would always get the pinfall in the tag matches too. Like he did in Bound for glory. Like he would barely be in the match. He'd be running scared and he'd always get the pinfall. Well, he's been cleansed in the holy waters of change now. Yes, so. that is correct. All right, so let's talk about Rhino for a second because he wins this match. His title reign lasts for about 11 days. He loses the title back to Jeff Jarrett on the primetime episode of Impact on November 3rd. This was Rhino's only run as the NWA world champion. Uh, and he was only ever a world champion one other time. And John DeCani, correct me if I'm wrong, he never lost the ECW World Championship. Uh, he won that in 2001, and the company went out of business, which isn't the best oh, professional. He's but. Rhino, the man beast, the last man to hold the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> it's not the best credential that the company goes out of business when you're chopped off. <laughs> but that was coming for a while, so it's not that's not on Rhino. But again, okay, here's a guy who had already had a pretty great career in ECW and everything leading up to this point. Um, and then this is four years after ECW goes out of business. Uh, he wins the NWA World Championship. And guess what? There's a little question mark on this weekend's Bound for Glory that has Rhino's name all over it. So he is still going strong all these years later. So Rhino, heck of a career. Yeah, that whole story on Saturday is about Rhino. Is Rhino going to show up? What side is he going to be on? If he does show up, it's, it's going to be great. And not to mention, after everything he did in ECW, he went to the WWF. He was a part of the invasion until he got injured. He was the first uh, alliance member, if you want to call it that, to win. A, no, he was the second. He lost it to Mike Awesome, whatever. But he was a hardcore champion for a while, which is, you know, they were trying to make it the ECW championship. You know, it was between Rhino, Mike Awesome, Rob Van Dam, Jeff Hardy was involved in all this. And uh, a major feud with Chris Jericho. 
Sure. Um, at, uh, during the invasion, before Rhino got injured, he was a he was in the main event of the inaugural brawl at the invasion paper. Like Rhino, exactly. Just the the history that this guy has, and he loves cheese whiz on saltines. Okay. <laughs> First ever SmackDown Tag Team Champion. Now the symmetry of this, the symmetry. Who is it? Who is going to be on opposite Rhino? If he does show up for Heath this weekend, it's going to be Eric Young. So you have a full symmetry to this whole Bound for Glory package that uh, Rhino and Eric Young will most likely either be standing on the same side of the ring or opposite each other this weekend. So when Eric Young was in the casket when Rhino won the world championship, there you go. (laughs) And now Rhino has has since been cleansed in the holy waters of change with Eric Young. And it sounds like he may have snapped out of it. All right, that's our show, Bound for Glory 2005. Al, looking back, was it as fun as you remembered? Oh, every time I watch it, I absolutely love it. It's just, it's, it's so great. But it's funny when I want to show it to something. I remember, remember when I wanted to show John Smith a couple of years ago. I had the DVD. I'm like, John, you have to watch this thing. You love Rhino. I told him, you know, this is all about Rhino. You're gonna absolutely love it. But on the cover is Rhino holding the world title. On the back, you know, Rhino wins gauntlet. Rhino, it gives you the it's like it's so impact. You know, even back then, it's like, dude, no, keep the surprise. Just say something. But it's just every match, every match is five stars. I don't care what anybody says. Absolutely. By the way, right over my shoulder, right there. Yeah, there he is. I there see him. Rhino. That's the uh, right below Colt Cabana. There you go. So. Made the biggest impact at WrestleMania 17. There you go. Don't leave us hanging. Go ahead, explain it. No, Rhino, the man beast from Detroit Mission, took out both Spike Dudley and Lita, or something like that. He took out a member of every, whatever. He, oh, he right. helped Edging Christian win, which is the most important thing. There you go. All right. John DeConnie, anything else as we uh, close out the show here? Uh, John DeConnie. No, just a, just a lot of fun. I, I love when you do these specials because we get to you know go back in history and relive all these wonderful moments. And the, like I said, a lot of this one was new for me. I had seen some of it, but just what a fun ride. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, and then, hey, I'm probably going to have to go watch that AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels match one more time because it was that good. So that said, uh, Thank you, everybody, for for sticking with us and watching this uh, Bound for Glory 2005 special. Um, Al, before we get out of here, I guess we should tell people to definitely tune in to the Bound for Glory Pick'em show that you're going to do, the EWP special. Uh, I've been saying all week, I'm talking to John Smith and John DeCani and everybody, I know you're going to pick Christian Cage to beat Josh <laughs> Alexander, but you're going to be standing alone in that choice, so you're going to have to be defending that on this uh on this friday show <laughs> yeah i want an island on that one yeah so tomorrow afternoon one o'clock uh we want to make sure we have all the matches picked i know the tag team championship match uh won't be official till uh tomorrow night or excuse me tonight sorry um tonight thursday night and then uh we're gonna have all the matches we're gonna let you know we're gonna make our picks we'll give everybody some time you know you'll have over a day to, 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 if you can't catch it live because i know most people uh work friday at a one o'clock in the afternoon uh, maybe you can throw us on your earpiece during your lunch break, but um, it's going to be there. It's going. We're going to we're going to give this pay per view its due. We're going to give this show its due that we do for all the other big ones because I said this is now I think show seventeen or eighteen or whatever it is. Um, it's earned the right. It, it just year after year. 
Uh, Bound for Glory just does not disappoint. And uh, I guess maybe next year we will uh, we'll recap the 2006 Bound for Glory where the show starts off with an X Division Battle Royal. Uh, the Kevin Nash Invitational, because we all know Kevin Nash is a big X Division wrestler. Uh, <laughs> the Kevin Nash X Division Invitational where the winner gets the bowling trophy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then. For Al Carl, for John DeCani, I'm Ryan Joy. Thanks for watching uh, this episode of Daily Wrestling News Show. We will see you next week on Wednesday. No show on Monday and Tuesday. So see you then. <laughs>